Sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, so now, you know, let's, let's think about, you know, Romans 6.14. It says, you know, remember the first five past, uh, chapters of Paul? Paul made the most of the compelling case. All of us are guilty of sin, right? And we all deserve the righteous wrath of God. That God also, that Paul explained the forgiveness and eternal life we have through faith in, in, in Christ Jesus. Paul summed it up for, uh, for all Christians. Uh, Romans 5 uh, verses 6 through 10 says this. When we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for the righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we were saved by his life. The words of uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ has given Christians an everlasting victory over sin and death. And in verse verses 1 through 14 of God's word shows us how to live in that victory that Christ provided for us. You know, this morning's scriptures focuses on the freedom we have in Jesus. So let's think about our God-given freedom, right? Marilyn Murphy told about um, something that happened years ago uh, at a farmer's market. A man saw quails walking in circles around a pole. And each bird had a string attached to its leg, and they continued to walk around the pole for hours and hours and hours. The, the, the man felt sorry for the birds, so he paid the price and bought them all. And he began to cut the, screen, the, the, the strings off the legs. What are you doing? Said the, asked the seller in disbelief. I'm setting them free, uh, the, net, the, the new owner replied. But even though the strings were cut, the birds continued to walk around the pole in the same old circle. See, they didn't realize they were free until their new owner began to show them away from, uh, to shoot them away from the pole that held them down, right? Guys, Jesus Christ paid the highest price to set us free. But sometimes we don't feel like it. And sometimes we don't live like it. And sometimes we keep going around in the same old circles. But the Lord wants us to live in the freedom that he's already given us. And this morning's scripture shows us what it means to live in Christ. My bro Aaron at 120 Army was talking last night about our identity in Christ and, and how the enemy attacks our identity. Our enemy. We talked about the if syndrome. But see, our identity is a, is a part of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And you know, I'll do a teaching on that on a later date, but our freedom in Christ has a lot to do with our identity in Jesus Christ. So let's look at what it means to have that kind of freedom. First, it means that we can be ruled by God's righteousness. This is God's message for Christians in verses 14 through 18. It says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for 
you are not under the law of grace, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that whom uh, you presented yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves to whom you obey, whether it's uh, of sin to death or obedience of righteousness. But God be thanked through uh, you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. Having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. Right? That's awesome. Right? And as Christians, we have a new owner, a new master. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why verse 14 tells us that we are not under the law, but under God's grace. Right? You know, of course, the problem is, 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 is never with God's law. But good rules are good for us. Don't get me wrong. But God's rules are perfect. God gave his law to us. So we won't hurt others and we won't hurt ourselves and so we won't hurt him. And I say that because sin grieves God. God's rules are good for us. But Moses put it this way in Deuteronomy 10, uh, 11 verses 11, uh, uh, verses 12 to 13. And now Israel, what does the Lord uh, your God require of you? But fear the Lord your God and walk in his ways and love him to serve the Lord with the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your own good see that ain't really a suggestion it's a command but yet God's rules are perfect the only problem with it, the only problem with his law is our inability to obey, uh, obey it on our own we were all born with a selfish, sinful nature. That's why we sin. And that's why verse 17 tells us that before we got saved by the grace of God, we were all slaves to sin. This is why God's word says things like in Proverbs 20, uh, 22, 15, foolishness is, about, is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. In Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Romans 3, verses 9 through 12 says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They all have gone out of uh, the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, not one. See, without Jesus Christ, we are slaves to sin. Even if we don't, even if we don't know it, and most people don't know it, that's why even good rules are hard to keep. Back, you know, back when James Dobson's son was five. It, uh, five years old. Dad had a hard time. You know, his dad had a hard time. Uh, James Dobson had a hard time getting Paul to stay in bed at night. Most parents, uh, most parents know what it's what, what that's like, right? Up and down, up and down. Finally, one night, you know, uh, 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 Jim Jim laid down the law. 
you know, Paul was Paulie back then, and 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 and, and James Dobson uh, told Paulie that there would be no more talk after they had said their prayers together and had a glass of water and told each other good night, turn off the light. Well, Dobson was certain that everything was under control. About five minutes later, Paulie started calling out for another glass of water. Dobson went in, went back over the rules, and told Polly he better get to sleep. About five minutes later, Polly asked for water again. So Dobson told Polly that he would get a spanking if he asked for a water one more time. And that settled that, right? Only about minutes later, little Polly, Dad, when you come in and just spank me, would you please bring me a glass of water? So Paul got the water without spanking, but Dobson, but that's that's because of Dobson's grace, and thank God for His amazing grace. Thank God that verse fourteen tells Christians are not under the law but under grace, and thank God that Jesus has set us free, and thank God that He is willing to take our punishment when He died on the cross for our sins. Now our risen Savior offers real freedom to everyone who will put their trust in him that's that's what paul is talking about in verses 17 through 18 when paul said but god be thanked that through you were slaves to sin yet you obeyed from the heart that the doctrine which was delivered and having been set free from sin you became slaves to righteousness the new living translation says it this way thank god once you were slaves to sin, but now have obeyed with your heart the new teaching God has given you. Now you are set free. You're old master, and you have become slaves to the new master of righteousness. Living free in Christ means we can be ruled by God's righteousness. It also means that we get a brand new beginning, right? And that's important that we get a brand new beginning because. When we walk in and we, we, we become Christians, does that mean that everything is just going to be great and, and stuff? You know, like all uh, everything that, that, that we're dealing with is now over. doesn't say that. Right? It doesn't. What it's, you know, when we receive, you know, it, it, we could see our new beginnings in verse 19. And here Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of our flesh. For just as you presented yourselves members or parts of your body as slaves to uncleanliness and in lawlessness, <laughs> leading to more lawlessness, <clears throat> so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for holiness. See, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as far as God is concerned, the slate is wiped clean. We also get a new beginning in life because we are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And we know we can truly present our bodies, our lives to righteous and holy ways to God. See, this is what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when he says, Therefore, if anyone sins, if anyone is in Christ, he has a new creation. New creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. See, Jesus Christ gives us a brand new life. So we are able to present ourselves to the righteousness and holy ways of God. And I'm not saying that we're, we will be perfect. None of us are. 
But with Jesus Christ, we can start heading in the direction of perfection. And God promises that one day we will make it. And B, and, 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 but we, we surely can't do it without Jesus, right? Eddie Snipes once said, any dead fish can float downstream, but it takes life to swim against the strong current of the world that we live in. Only the hand of God holding me up will make it possible to fulfill my purpose in, in this life. The first step is, is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Without a relationship with God, you are struggling by your own strength. God's desires is to transform us inside and out. And we have to surrender our lives to Christ. The Bible tells us that God literally puts His Spirit inside us and we are born into a new creation. God calls me to go where I don't have the strength to go. Do what I can't do and be what I can't be. We are called to become like our Heavenly Father. His goodness is so far from our ability that we can't make it on our own strength. But with Jesus, we can. See, that's, that's the big thing. You know what I mean? Through Jesus, we can. But living free in Jesus Christ means we get a brand new beginning. Guys, also it means that we get holy shame for our sins. And we see this truth in verses 20 through 21 when Paul said, When you were selves slaves that were slaves to sin, you were freed in regard of righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Now, this new new shame that we have as Christians is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. And and, and yes, it's painful, but holy shame is good thing. Good things the good good thing for a couple of reasons. First, holy shame gives us evidence. Holy shame gives us evidence of our new outlook on life as Christians. Because our salvation, we have a new attitude and new feelings towards sin. We began to see sin for the ugly, deadly thing it is. We, we, we want nothing to do with it. And when we sin, it causes pain. A friend told me about something that happened at a lay renewal weekend many years ago. The men were all gathered together in a group and the leader took them through an exercise to help confess their sins. And he gave them all a piece of paper and told them to tear it if, if, if they wanted to confess sin. First, he called something out like pride. Rip, 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 rip. You could hear the, 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 the tearing of paper all over. Then, maybe dishonesty. And again, rip, 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 rip. You could hear the, the, the paper tearing. But then the leader called out the sin of the lust. And there was total silence in the room. There was some mighty, quiet paper tearing going on in there. Why? Because they, are, they were ashamed. And they should have been. But we shouldn't, shouldn't we also be ashamed of pride and dishonesty? Come on, right? Here's the point. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, one of the best proof is shame for your own sin and for unknown sin. And if you knowingly sin without shame, that's a pretty good strong evidence that there's something wrong. 
And holy shame gives us that evidence, but it also gives us assistance. Holy shame helps us turn away from sin. Second Corinthians 7 uh, verses 7 through 11 calls it godly sorrow. It comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And the Apostle Paul tells us this ungodly sorrow is a good thing. Why? Because it leads us to turn away from sin and turn towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we feel guilty because we are guilty and it hurts. But but Psalms 34, 18 talks about this kind of hurt it says the Lord is near to those who have broke who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit you know as King David confessed his sin in Psalms 51 15 through 17 uh, David prayed Lord open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it you do not delight in birth offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. See, holy shame helps us turn away from our sin. And that's why it's a good thing. And living free in Jesus means we get holy shame for our sins. But guys, it also means a holy harvest. And verse 22 reminds us uh, of the holy harvest God wants in our lives. And here the apostle Paul said, but now having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit of holiness and the end of everlasting life. See, God wants us to live fruitful lives. He wants us to overflow in the fruit of his spirit in our lives. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, that's love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, uh, faith, meekness, and temperance. The Lord wants us to have fruitful lives, being, pos being a positive influence for the kingdom of God and helping more people come to Christ. This is the kind of spiritual fruit that Paul's heart, when he opened this letter to Christians in Rome, in Romans 1, 17, oh, 11 through 17, it says this, for I long to see you that I may impart some, um, some spiritual gift and so that you may be established that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both in you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you but, it, but was hindered till now that I may have some fruit among you also just as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both Greeks and a barbarians, both wise to the unwise. So as much as it is it for me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, God wants us to have fruitful lives. He, uh, th th this is also why in 2 Corinthians 9.10, Paul lifted up this prayer. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed to you, have sown and the increase of fruits of your righteousness. 
living free in Christ means we get a holy harvest. But it also means we get the God's greatest gift. As Christians, we already have the greatest gift. And we see that in verse 23 where Paul says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? So the wages of sin is death. That's not a physical death, but a spiritual death. Eternal death. Eternal separation from God. Spending all eternity in hell. And that is what we all deserve because we are all guilty of sin. But in verse 23, God also shows us what he desires. Right? God wants everyone to receive his gift of eternal life. We could never earn eternal life. It must be received as a gift. So Paul said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And in John, 1 John 5.11, John uh, told Christians, this testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life in his son. Eternal life is a free gift for all who receive it, but it came at the highest possible price. The death of God's only begotten son on the cross for our sins. Stop and think about what Jesus really did for us on the cross. Over the past year, I, you know, over, over the past year, I've counseled a few couples before they got married. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, memories comes from meeting an older couple that I counseled. And we were just talking about, uh, you know, odds and ends and, and, and stuff like that. But out of the blue, I asked him, do you love her? And without missing a beat, he says, I love her so much, I'd take a bullet for her. And I know that's a usual way to put things, but what a great expression of love, right? If someone shot at you and I jumped in the way and took that bullet for you, what a, that would be a wonderful thing. But see, Jesus did much more than for us. He didn't just take our physical death. We faced everlasting torment and destruction in hell. It was something, it, it was coming straight for us. And there was nothing we can do to get out of the way. But Jesus stepped in front and he took all the suffering that belonged to us so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus Christ took our death so we could have God's gift of eternal life by placing our trust in him. The eternal life can only be received by believing in Jesus Christ. Other scriptures make this truth clear. In John 3, 36, he who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe in the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. And in John 6, 47, Jesus says, most surely I say to you, he who believes in me will have everlasting life. Everybody needs to believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to have saving faith? Since eternal life is a free gift from God, then believing is like receiving a gift from someone who loves you. Imagine this. Imagine it's your birthday and I stop by and I, and, and I love you very much, but I also happen to be very rich, right? In my, and, and, and in my hand, there's a, a, wrap, a wrap box and inside it's a, it has a key in it. Maybe it's a key to a $75,000 bass boat or a $71,000 Ford F-150 Limited or maybe a million dollar home. 
And I tell you how much I love you. And I tell you about the gift and I leave the box on the table. See, the key is in that box and it's yours for the taking. But you never take the wrapping paper off. You never open that box and you never do what you can do with that gift. And I really gave it to you, but you didn't, but, but did you really receive it? No. God's gift of eternal life is something like that, right? Jesus Christ paid the highest price for your gift when he died on the cross for you. And now the risen savior freely offers this gift to you, but you have to receive it. In order to receive God's gift of eternal life, you have to open the box. You open your heart and you don't, and, 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 and you don't take something out. You let something in by faith. You let in Jesus Christ into your heart. And by faith, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, we see this in John 1.12 where God's word says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So you have to believe in Jesus. You have to trust in the Lord to give you his eternal life. And you can surely trust in Jesus Christ to give you his abundant eternal life. You know, a lot of people like to think, oh, he's going to give you money. He's going to give you wealth. He's going to give you this. He's going to give you that. Yeah, he can give all that to you. But his greatest gift is eternal life. After we're done in this life, it's our life is not over yet. You know, most people don't have hope in Christ. Most people don't have really hope in anything except what they're doing in this life right now. They don't have a hope in what comes up after. That's pretty sad if you think about it. You know, we, we think about, I think about all, all the time, I think about where am I going to go after here? You know, I thought this about my whole life is where, I'm, where am I going to go after this? Right? Where am I going to go after this? And uh, uh, the thing is, is that I didn't know. The only thing I could think of was, you know, reincarnation. I thought of that for a, a while too. I'll just be reincarnated or this or that, you know what I mean? But that's not true either. You know what I mean? Decide to really think about it. And my first year of sobriety, I really did think about it. I was like, man, am I going to go to heaven? Like, look at what my whole life has been about. Drugs, alcohol, hurting people, lies, deceit. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, man, lust, sex, pornography. You know, all this stuff that, that I had in my life at the time that I recommitted myself in 2016 and decided, okay, God, this is all you. I'm done. Done. Sitting in a hospital with everything in me, right? And going through the DTs and you know and 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 stuff, man. It was done. First three days of my detox was the hardest three days that I've ever had to deal with. Then three days later, my brother calls me up, tells me my mom passed away, and my whole life just collapsed again. 
And I sat there alone. But I wasn't alone. See, God was with me. And he goes, man, let me give you a great life. Let me give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. Okay. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's have my ups and downs, you know. Still grieving over a love loss. It sucks, man. But you know what? The love loss is my parents. Because my mom, I'm still grieving over that because I reconciled with my mom before she passed away, but I didn't get to reconcile with my dad before he passed away. And that still grieves me today. You know, but he gave his life to Christ before he passed, so I believe I'll see him. You know what I mean? I believe I'll see him. But that's that's the love loss that, 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 that I still grieve over is my dad. See, this new spiritual life is the reality that becomes becomes ours the moment we trust in Jesus Christ. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts when you believe in Jesus. That's why John 3.36 tells us, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. See, our eternal life doesn't start when we die. It starts when we believe. And it lasts forever. Right? I, I, I know I know some, some people say that, oh, you could lose your salvation. No, you can't. Your salvation is internal. Once you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, your life starts to change.